Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, new sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 in Portland and in Tulsa in Texas and Pennsylvania, soon to be on in Seattle and San Francisco. I'm JT. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also John Breaker and his crew back in Evergreen, Colorado uh, for Birdie Ball. Birdie Ball's been a big supporter of this show. Christmas is coming up, so you might want to... Uh, Look at some of their packages back there at birdieball.com for uh, Christmas gifts. I I do that myself, honestly. We've got Tom Hayes with us today. Tom um, has worked as a caddy. He's a great golfer. He's now living down on the Oregon coast for a bit and uh, met through a, a friend. So, And I'm always interested to talk to caddies. Absolutely. So, Tom, welcome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. What, uh, what I read your bio, but there's some things you probably need to fill in for our listeners. What prompted you to ever become a looper? Uh, actually, a changing careers. Uh, I was a master club builder for about 15 years. I worked in a few various different shops and did a little stint at PXD for a little while as well. Um, but I was kind of, it was right after 9-11 and the shop that I was working at in North Scottsdale um, went through a little recession. I had to lay off and I called the guys at Whisper Rock and started from there. And then not but a year later, I picked up the bag for RWE and worked on the Champions Tour. <laughs> How was the Champions Tour, by the way? Uh, I thought it was great. You get a paycheck every week. There's yeah. no cut. There's no cut. You know, the the only thing I didn't really love about the Champions Tour was maybe, uh, you know, living out of a hotel room every week. It got to be a little old, but um, RW is a great friend of mine, uh, probably one of the best players I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Uh, I, you know, I played a lot of golf with the, with the man and, and watched him play a lot. Um I probably saw the guy shoot 64 or lower more times than I've seen him shoot 65 or higher. He was, he was just <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. You know, that's, that's quite a statement and an accomplishment. Yeah. He, he could really get it done. He was, I mean, in his time, he was, he was a freak of nature on the golf course, but he, uh, he had a very short fuse. He liked to, he liked to withdraw a lot. And did he? he he, he earned a, his, his nickname was RWD. <laughs> what was the B for? RWD for yeah. withdraw. Ah, okay. He, he liked to quit early. I got it. Well, maybe he had something else to do. I don't know. 
well, not when I was with him. When I was with him, we needed to play. I needed to make money. Yeah. I I had um, a gentleman on last year, Larry Malasic. He's now a real estate guy down in uh, Palm Desert and all that. And he caddied for, oh, goodness, Chi-Chi, I guess. Uh, did a little bit for Trevino and, and that type of thing. This was before you were doing it. And um, he had some interesting stories about living in tents, and especially when they were working on the European tour and stuff uh you must have some pretty good stories about what happens for caddies out there why don't you share a couple with us you know it probably not out there so much i my life out there was kind of sheltered as a caddy myself and rw we would room together and fly together and you know i never had to get my own car we rode together everywhere so it was just me and him kind of riding around, finding finding good Mexican food every week, or at least trying to find good Mexican food every week, because he's a huge Mexican food fan. Um, but there there is one kind of funny story. We were driving from North Carolina after we had played an event to go up to Washington, D.C. and play uh, at, I forget the name of the course. But we were in D.C. and as we were driving up the up the freeway, we're we're getting close to D.C. and it's it's night and it's raining and the car in front of us decides to do a a full 360 and slam into the wall to to the into the barrier at the left of us. And R.W. looks at me and he goes, "Did you see that?" I go, "How could I miss it? It was right in front of us." <laughs> so I mean, it was just stupid odd stuff like that would happen. But as far as Caddy and he was. He was very easy to work for. Um, pretty, pretty uneventful out there for him. Um, but he was a character in you know off the golf course more than more than you would know. What was their schedule like? <clears throat> Champions Tour is a little different from the big tour. Sometimes they play three rounds. Sometimes when you get down to the end, um, we had Bob Estes on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, you know, the, the finals, you have to play four rounds, but a lot of them, you play three. How do you adjust to that? Um, you know, I should say probably how do the players adjust to it? If they came off the regular tour and all of a sudden they're playing three rounds, life maybe gets a little easier for them and it's well-deserved. Yeah, the only time we would play four rounds was in the majors, like the senior PGA, the senior U.S. Open. Um, three rounds was, you know, R.W. actually liked that a lot. He uh, he wasn't a guy that wanted to go in early. We would usually, you know, wrap up on Sunday. Um, if we were going the next week, we'd fly out Monday morning, you know, Monday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd get in Monday night somewhere and he'd show up on Tuesday, maybe hit some balls and we'd, uh, we'd kind of kick the tires on Wednesday a little bit, you know, every now and then they'll have, uh, offsite pro-ams and we'd go play in those. Um, and then Thursday would be the pro-am and off we'd go on, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was, it was kind of a relaxed schedule as far as tour life. I mean, I have worked a few tour events back in the day. Um, and it was, working on the PGA tour is a lot different because you're there Monday morning early and you're 
you're out on the golf course and you know going through the motions and uh champions tour is much easier it 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 was a at least working for rw was some of the other guys are a little bit more involved um you know like bernard langer's caddy he was out there super early on mondays and and grinding um he my guy wasn't that way he 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 liked to show up late and and play and get done and get out of there and and go eat ice cream it's funny you say that because i remember uh peter jacobson saying that um you know on the regular tour they would come back at the end of the day and i'm assuming this is back in the 80s you know whatever when he was kind of hot on stuff <clears throat> and he'd say you know they couldn't wait to get to the bar he goes <laughs> now they come back uh when he was playing the the champions tour he said now we come back and we look for a piece of chocolate cake <laughs> you know so they're they're uh personal needs changed a lot yeah you know some of those guys out there are still i mean take bernard langer for example he is still grinding it um in the fitness trailer every morning you know working out like crazy we played with him in north carolina at a place called rock barn and we we went through the first two days and about the middle of the first day, I looked over at RW and I said, this guy can still play on the regular tour. And he kind of chuckled at me. And it was it was funny because the very next year he was playing in the last group of the, the Masters. Yeah. Yeah, so. I remember that. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with Tom Hayes, who uh, made his living as a caddy. Uh, took a run at some high-profile golf. We're going to talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Grilling at the Green. And uh, please stay with us. everybody it's jt and this is a special version of grilling at the green grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to grilling at the green we're going to put tom on the spot here um this is where we do our golf uh, trip travel tips. Say that three times early in the morning, Tom. Um, and it's sponsored by Weston Kia. But I usually ask our guests now if they have travel tips for people because you guys did that week in, week out and traveled. And we got some normal ones, you know, like make your reservations early and those types of things. But what's one thing that stuck out in your mind as far as a travel tip that civilians could use perhaps that you learned while you were cattering, cattering, caddying on the tour? I would, uh, if, if I had to do it all over again, I would have gotten that TSA pre-boarding done a whole lot easier because you get to go through the line like, like lightning. 
you don't have to wait in the big line with all the people. I mean, in the in the trough and the cattle cattle run. I mean, yeah, that that TSA pre boarding is is a is a dream come true. I think that's a good tip. I know we've got it, and uh, it it's <laughs> you don't want to be you know yeah 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 to the other people waiting in line, but you kind of feel like that, like you dummies, you could have done this too. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it is. I mean. One of the first years I was out there, I didn't have it, and RW had it, and he he kind of looks at me. He goes, "You got to go that way." I said, "Where are you going?" He goes, "I'm going over here. I got I got this special path." And I said, "How'd you get that?" And he goes, "Oh, you got to blah blah blah." Yeah. And I said, "Well, we're doing that next week." So yeah, you got your butt down to the to the TSA office and signed up type thing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we want to thank Weston Kia, biggest Kia dealership in Oregon, and thank their thank them for their support on this show. Also, if you want to email us, it's really easy. You can just go info at grillingatthegreen.net. So let's get back and talk to Tom some more. What brought you clear out here to the West Coast? Uh my mom lives out here. Oh, okay. She, she uh you know, she came out to visit a friend and hang out with a friend of hers, and she uh, she just found a house and she bought it, and she kind of does some remodeling, and and uh, she's been doing this project in this house for a little while, and you know, I had some some free time in between seasons, and figured I'd come out and see how it see how it is. So I'm just kind of hanging out. Are you gonna go back to Caddy? I, I plan on it there. I've got a couple of, I've got a couple options. Um, I'm actually trying to get my foot in the door at Grove 23, which is Michael Jordan's place yeah. in Hope Sound. And then there's a new project that just, uh, just launched North of, uh, North of Miami beach in Hollywood. And that is, uh, called Shell Bay. Um, it's supposed to be a fantastic piece of property and a very good place to work. Have you ever spent a whole win- winter out here in Oregon? Yeah. No sir, this will be uh this will be the first couple months, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> About January or February if I call you, I'm going to get a lot of static cuz you're going to be in Miami or someplace else <laughs> where the the weather is more conducive to uh golf in general and life in yeah, particular. My- my caddy tan is going away as we speak. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. You also caddied, um, you were up in New York and you caddied there in the Northeast and then you migrated down to uh, Florida. I'm assuming some stops in between. Uh, did you start caddying after you played a lot of AM? You know, you were mid-AM champions and different things like that you played in were very successful. But is that how it kind of progressed? Yeah, I so my my golfing career, um, I didn't really become a a very very good player until I was about my mid twenties. I peaked late, you know, considering how early guys peak that you know start their careers these days. You know, you've got what a fourteen or a fifteen year old kid playing on tour this week. Um, but yeah, once I once I started playing, I ended up meeting a friend of mine that taught me how to 
uh, build golf clubs that went ended up going to work on tour for Mizuno. Um, he taught me how to do everything I know how to do. And then once my job in Arizona kind of l- let loose, I went to work at Whisperock and learned how to work as a caddy in a private club. Um, I worked around the Arizona Scottsdale area. I worked at Whisperock and Estancia, Silverleaf. Um, and then a position opened in the east end of Long Island at a place called The Bridge, which is a very, I mean, you most people wouldn't know it. It's in the Hamptons. You know, when you think about the Hamptons, you think about Shinnecock and National Golf Links of America, um, Sabonic, uh, you know, all those are right there. Um, but our place is called The Bridge. It's a very boutique style golf club um it's currently 1.75 million to join um oh. we're probably the highest initiation yes sir one of the most expensive clubs to join in in the world i would believe um it's uh it, it's a it's a beautiful place uh the maintenance on the facility the the superintendent has no budget um and it's <laughs> we're not kidding uh but yeah, it's it's just kind of I heard about the place and and jumped in my car and took off and the rest is history. I've I've been there probably the last twelve years. Wow, are you yeah. are you going back at any time? I don't think I don't think so. I'm looking at this state stage in my life. I'm trying to land a position where I can caddy and I, I I'm looking for a spot I can stay all year round. Yeah. You know, you live for six months in one spot, and then you're always looking for a new place to live for six months. And it's uh, the lifestyle's getting a little old, and I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little old. Um, we've got just a couple seconds left, so um, I wanted to to say that we're talking with Tom Hayes, who's a professional caddy, and uh, he's been a master club builder and all of that. He's on the Oregon coast right now. But when we come back, we're going to find out about that transition from club caddy to tour caddy and the do's and don'ts of that. So please stay with us. Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. If you order from their online store, which is relatively new at naturalbeef.com, when you go to check out, you just type in, they'll have a little box at the bottom, say coupon or code. Just type in BBQ Nation. That's BBQ Nation. You get 15% off the meat, and it'll be delivered right to your door. Also, again, the folks at Birdie Ball, John Breaker and his folks, Christmas is coming. 
and they've got some great gift packages back there. We use them here. We just used them. We just finished filming seven episodes of Grilling at the Green for television, and Birdie Ball was a major part of that. And also Pig Powder, my partner in my other show, Barbecue Nation, Leanne Whippen, Hall of Famer. Go to pigpowder.com, and I'll tell you what, that is some great stuff to put on your chow. I'm just going to leave it right there. So I should get you some of that to uh, you could try down there at the coast, Tom. Send it on down. We'll do it. We'll do it. So how do you transition from a club caddy to a tour caddy? Uh, you know, there's a there is a little learning curve out there. You know, working as a club caddy, you you're obviously always carrying two bags, um, and you give enough information to kind of not hang yourself. Working out on tour, a you have to shut up. That is the that is the biggest rule. Um, and I, for the for the most part, I kind of I kind of stuck next to my player when we were when when it wasn't our turn to play. You know, I was kind of glued to his hip pocket, making sure I was not in any of the players' ways, um, being quiet. You know, and there's a there's a learning curve as far as being able to help the other caddies out there knowing when to rake bunkers for them knowing when to you know grab pins for them knowing when to you know help with just the slightest little things that kind of help keep pace of play up yeah um it the rules are completely different as a club caddy i mean you can pick up bags for guys and you know you're switching bags and doing stuff in the middle of fairways and um but yeah, it's it, it, each one has their own certain, you know, fine touches to it, um, certain intricacies, I should say. Um, but working on tour, I thought was a little bit easier than working as a club caddy. Did it take you long to get the hang of one being quiet and two doing the? I, and that's not a slam. That's just people's natural tendency is to want to talk. You know, that's how we communicate. And so did that take a long time to learn? Did it, the nuances you were talking about and the learning curve, working with the other cat caddies, helping them out a little bit, pulling the pin, raking the bunker, um, maybe helping them find a lost ball. If that was a deal that, that probably didn't take too long to sink in, did it? No, not for me. You know, I was a, I was, I played in a lot of high end amateur events, U.S. Mid Am stuff like that. Um, so my my golfing career and my my level of golf that I played at uh, helped so much in that. I mean, you learn very quickly the do's and don'ts out there, and. I already kind of knew what to do and what not to do when I was out there. You know, a guy that would say be coming in off the street that's maybe a a 15 handicap might have a bigger problem than I would, but uh I really didn't have that big of a problem. It was just a couple of fine tuning things out there um for myself uh and you know, before RW played on the Champions Tour, I spent a lot of time with him. From the time he was probably 47 till he was 50, we we played at least once a week. So, you know, my relationship with him was more as more of a friendship than it was yeah. a, a boss 
you know, employer or did employee. You, did you ever get yelled at? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, he wasn't one to yell, but he had a certain, you know, he had a certain tone that uh he would let you know and he just he'd kind of turn and give me the look and he had this big handle kind of handlebar mustache and he would just kind of turn around and look and he's like baby are you sure that was right and that was his way of yelling at me yeah you know and you'd have to go back into the yard and double check and i'm like yes sir that was right so (laughs) i didn't call him sir very often but when i did he knew i was i was on my game did you guys ever club selection which is always because once in a while you'll see this on television or if you attend a tournament you get lucky you'll see this you know the golfer wants to depending on their personality wants to be a hero everybody does you want to say hey i can take this five iron and hit it 205 yards and i'll put it right there you know and you're and you're checking the wind and the moisture and everything else you say yeah i really think you should you know maybe hit a six for whatever reason you go back and forth like that and then the player wins on their club selection and then you know it goes flying over the green and they turn around to you and say i told you i should have hit a six well <laughs> i mean there's always there is always some of that because the player's never wrong All right. i mean you are you are out there for uh, for a lot of reasons but one reason and one reason only you're the whipping boy so um there there were instances but for the most part i would give him all the numbers that were pertinent and then i would just kind of hang out the bag and kind of let him let him kind of let him kind of pick the club and if he had any indecision he would you know kind of hey what do you think what do you think this is playing you know and we would go over that and then I would tell him what I thought and then we would go. But uh, there was an instance in Seattle and we were playing at uh, TPC Tacoma or TPC Snoqualmie Ridge and we're coming up 18 and he hits a drive down the left-hand side and he's got a perfect five with him. And I kind of hang out the bag and I give him the number and I watch him pick out three wood. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I go, Dub, this is this is a perfect five wood. I go, what are we doing here? And he goes, watch this. And he pulls out three wood and he pumps it in the stands on the left. And I go, what are you doing? And he goes, baby, there is a perfect little drop zone right next to the green. He goes, I'm gonna get it up and down for birdie. He hit it in the stands on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what he was doing. You know, that's one of the luxuries of working on or playing on the Champions Tour that guys like you and I don't have. You know, yeah. they can hit it in the stands if they want. Yeah. Did he make birdie? He did. Oh, geez. Now living with him after that, I'm sure. You uh, know. It, was, it was one of the funnier moments out there that I that I was involved in. What did, what did you have to keep in his bag? You know, everybody's got different. I mean, Tiger liked two bananas and two peanut butter sandwiches or whatever. What did you have to keep in his bag? Nothing. He was he was as low maintenance as they come. Really? And 
Yeah, you know, and out there, there are so many snack stations and beverage stations. You know, I just made sure there was a couple bottles of water in the bag, and off we go. Yeah. And the greatest thing was out there, we also had a cart. Yeah. <laughs> so so if there was anything extra that we really needed to haul around, I just tossed it in the cart. What's the greatest thing? Tom, that you think you've ever seen on a golf course besides hitting it in the stands and then getting a birdie at the drop zone? Uh, the greatest shot I've ever seen came from a Monday qualifier in Tampa Bay. Um, I was caddying for a kid named David Pastor, and we were paired with James Driscoll. And I don't know the name of the course. It's kind of a random course in North Tampa Bay. And James Driscoll, so this is a dogleg right, par five, downhill a little bit. And James hits it in the right fairway bunker. And David hits it out there. We probably got a little less than James. And we lay up. And I, I kind of, I'm standing there and I'm talking to David. And David looks over at me and he goes, hey, did you see what James has? And I look over and I kind of take about 15 steps to my right. And James is down there in, in the fairway bunker with driver. And he hits an absolute missile out of the fairway bunker, driver off the deck, in right in the middle of the green. Oh, maybe, the, maybe the best shot I've ever seen. Tom is going to stick around for after hours. So stay with us. You're listening to Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. You can find the show on all of your platforms, but we are also a big part of Golf News Network on iHeart. Uh, which is a 24-7, seven days a week golf channel there at Golf News Net. Uh, we air on Sunday at noon, I think, uh, on GNN Radio. But you want to find us on Captivate and Apple and iTunes and a bazillion other platforms like that. We're talking with Tom Hayes today. Tom is, I think, are you a nephew of Dave? Yes. Okay. Dave Riffey, who's been on the show a couple times. Um and invented the the rimmer. Um, we've talked about that a few times on on the show over the years. Tom is is Dave's nephew, and that's how I I got to meet him here. So if if you're playing with your uncle, can you smoke him? Uh, you know we've actually never played together, but I would uh I would have to say yes. I <laughs> uh, you know I tell him you said that. I'm a uh, you know, I'm about 6'3", 230, and I can move it a little bit. And I can, you know, in my older age, I've gotten to be able to where I can really chip and putt. That's the important part. That's the important yes, part. If there was one lesson for life that you learned while being a tour caddy, Tom, what do you think that was? Oh, as, as far as golf or just life in general? Just life. You know, Life is short. You might as well have a good time doing it. Those guys, some of those guys out there are absolutely miserable and they've got no reason to be. Yeah. I, you know, I've never understood that. 
In fact, I've been reading uh, Shipnuck's new book, Live and Let Die, about Live and the tour and all that stuff. And he's done a deep dive on all that. And he, he gets to needle in his politics and stuff, which I don't care about, but he he's doing that. But the one thing I've, I've noticed is that, and we all know it, those the, the main tour guys, you know, if they can stay in the top 25, the top 100, really, they make a ton of money. I mean, more money than the average person, even that went to college and got a degree, maybe unless you're a neurosurgeon, can make. And they still seem to want more all the time. They're they're usually complaining about something and um, have a lot of respect for them as golfers. But some of them I've read about and have actually talked to they're a little more prima donnas than a lot of folks. I would agree. You know. Being out there, you know, even on the Champions Tour, um, those guys get weighted on hand and foot. You know, they fly in, they're getting picked up at the airport, courtesy cars everywhere. They're always staying in, for the most part, the best accommodations. You know, there's agents, there's people. Everybody's waiting on them hand and foot. And they're always in one of the most beautiful places in the world, yeah. or at least in the in, at least in the country. And, you know, they're miserable. How is that possible? I was out there and I was just toting the bag. I was having the time of my life. I I don't know. I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe it depends on their age or maybe they don't think they're winning enough. <laughs> there's there's only one winner at every tournament, really, you know. Well, I mean, if you if you ask those guys, none of those guys are winning enough. Oh, yeah. Jeez, yeah. They think they should win every week. You know, Absolutely. And there was only one guy that he ever came close to that. So, and a couple right behind him. So you could take a handful, three or four of them and, uh, you know, Tiger, Jack, those guys, but they didn't win every week and they were phenomenal. No, but, but Tiger, Tiger did pretty well for himself. I, well, he was the first billion dollar golfer. So yes, <laughs> I, I, I can't help but bring him up because he's just to me, he just, He's out there in a hemisphere all by himself still to this I, day. I agree. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. I always have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always interesting to watch and reading this book, Tom, it was, uh, it's been kind of an eye opener because you don't, the public doesn't see the, the riffs and stuff behind the scenes. You know, they don't show that on TV. Uh, once in a while, somebody will catch something with their cell phone and it makes the news for, you know, two days or whatever. Um, but most of the time you don't see it. And sometimes I'm, from reading this book, there can be some not just because of it, live and the tour, but on just on any given day on the tours, some of those guys can almost be hitting each other with golf clubs. I, you know, there, there's you're dealing with a bunch of type A's out there. So yeah. there, there's definitely going to be some some male bravado going on out there and guys rub each other wrong. And there are certain guys that just don't get along. And it's just always going to be the way it is. Uh, we want to thank Tom for being with us today. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, go out, play some golf, be kind, and uh, 
Have fun. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.